It is officially official. Desmond Ritter is the Falcons' new starting quarterback and will be breaking down Arthur Smith's reasoning behind it if he's going to take the training wheels off the Falcons' rookie quarterback. And we'll also be breaking down which Falcons are deserving of going to this year's Pro Bowl. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and a.k.a. your very humble host here of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is sponsored by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe 24 7 monitoring agents. Capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. So, guys, we thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube. Got to get those subscribers up, guys. We're still not past 4,000 subscribers. You guys, you guys are sleeping on this podcast, right, in the subscriptions. As well, you can also check us out on YouTube and Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked On Sports Atlanta app. You can still check out Locked On Falcons as well as the other local shows like Locked On Hawks and Locked On Bulldogs as well on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So uh, the reason why you got to subscribe, guys, is because you know you make Locked On Falcons your first listen. And today we got confirmation uh, from Arthur Smith that he also makes Locked On Falcons his first listen because he basically was talking about, you know, he officially announced the move that we had heard in leaked on Thursday morning that, you know, Desmond Ritter is the Falcons QB one from now on. And he was breaking down his reasoning behind it. And he was echoing a lot of the sentiments you've heard me talk about over the last few days and or weeks here on uh, the podcast. And so Arthur Smith insisted that this decision to go from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter was a performance-based decision and essentially mentioned that they're looking for a spark, right? And the other thing that he mentioned was using the words evolving the passing game, something that we've talked about on this podcast for two months now, and basically trying to get over the hump and hoping that Ritter can provide that spark to get this passing game to be a little bit more balanced with where the running game is at And he talked about how Desmond Ritter has shown growth over the course of the season, and they're very comfortable with him operating the entirety of the offense, right? That Arthur Smith mentioned that if they thought that they were going to have to restrict him, it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the team. So, you know, while there are already training wheels on the Falcons offense based off of, you know, how much they run the football, it does seem like there's not going to be additional ones now that they have a rookie quarterback in the lineup with Desmond Ritter and going to feel like, okay, we, we can't do X, you know, because he's too young, he's too inexperienced or any of that. It feels like they're going to operate the, the entirety of the offense as they have operated. And potentially we'll talk a little bit later about the potential and the possibility that they could, you know, expand 
how they're operating the offense a little bit later on today's episode. But, you know, the other thing that Arthur Smith mentioned, again, something that has been discussed on Lockdown Falcons uh, a number of times over the last couple of weeks is the offensive line's progression makes him feel a lot more confident, makes the switch to Desmond Ritter easier because he doesn't necessarily feel like, you know, he's going to go out there and, and be torn apart by the wolves, which is the analogy that we've used several times on this podcast over the last couple of months. Although Arthur Smith did not say that because that would have been too much too much of an indicator and he can't let it on that, you know, his favorite podcast and his first lesson each and every day is locked on Falcons. But um, that's something that we've talked about that the offensive line has not given up uh, has been one of the better teams in the NFL. If you look at uh, websites like PFF uh, in terms of limiting pressure over the last couple of games. And so that's a positive sign. Now the other news of the day uh, involving the other quarterback, Marcus Mariota is that it looks like he's headed to injured reserve. Now, Arthur Smith insisted that that had nothing to do with the Falcons quarterbacks edge. So which uh, it, it adds further context to the decision behind signing Logan Woodside on Saturday from the Titans practice squad. We mentioned uh, on yesterday's episode that Woodside was signed likely to run the scout team. That's still going to be probably the case, but he'll also be the team's number two quarterback. If Mariota is heading to IR and the reason why Mariota is headed to IR is he's seemingly getting a chronic as Arthur Smith called it knee injury looked at. He's going to be, evaluated, maybe get scoped, maybe get surgery, whatever the case may be. And, you know, that led to a lot of speculation, like, you know, why are we hearing about this now? And, you know, that's just the way it is when it comes to NFL injury reports, just because a player does not appear on an injury report does not mean that a player is, is not injured. The injury reports are basically telling you who's practice, right? It doesn't mean that you're not hurt. It means that you're healthy. You know, if you're not on an injury report, you're healthy enough to practice, but that doesn't necessarily indicate um, that the player is hurt. And so I'm guessing, you know, Mariota was dealing with an injury. I remember there was a game early in the season, somewhere around middle of the season, where he took a, a, a vicious shot to his knee uh, on a on a run there. And he's probably been playing through this injury and dealing with that. And now because he's basically being shut down for the year, it does give him the opportunity to get a procedure done, uh, which wouldn't have been the case with him being the starting lineup and being expected to play every week. But now he'll have that opportunity and we'll see how that go. So, um, you know, the other interesting tidbit talking about the quarterback switch is that Arthur Smith confirmed uh, based off of the timing of, of the quote unquote leak that he did talk to Marcus Mariota on Thursday morning, which was the same time or while when we saw the initial reports from the various NFL insiders, as well as the local uh, media folks that confirmed that that switch was happening, which we discussed on Thursday night's episode on YouTube and Friday morning's episode on your preferred podcast platform elsewhere. Uh, and so that indicates sort of, you know, confirming the timing that that information got out. And I remember someone asking me over the weekend, do you think the Falcons purposely leaked that information? And my conclusion was probably not, you know, people talk, agents talk, players talk, you know, People are texting people constantly. You know, Arthur Smith is constantly hitting me up in the text message. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to say it. No, I'm kidding, guys. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the quarterback conversation there, uh, just sort of confirming some of the things that we've been discussing and some of the reasons why we have been um, – you know, talking about the team making the switch. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the players that may be helping Desmond Ritter 
come back from injury as he makes his debut, as well as if we'll see Desmond Ritter slinging it all around the yard in his first NFL start. But one player that will not be coming back uh, from injury is Damian Williams, the Falcons running back. He was cut today, according to Adam Schefter, after being on IR since, I think, week two, uh, after injuring his ribs in that season opener against the Saints. Uh, and, you know, maybe that opens up a, a spot for Nate Landman to return to the Falcons roster after he was cut in favor of Logan Woodside. Or maybe that means one of these offensive linemen that's currently on injured reserve will be activated back to the 53-man roster uh, later this week. So we'll get into some of that as we continue today's episode, guys. But first, I want to talk about your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. I'm, of course, talking about betonline.net. And since I know you guys love sports podcasts, just like Arthur Smith, you can find those as well at BetOnline. And if you're looking for this week's line for the Falcons and the Saints, the Falcons are four-point underdogs to the Saints on the road, an understandable line given the unknown status of Desmond Ritter, but we're feeling particularly frisky about Desmond Ritter and his potential debut here on Locked On Falcons. So if you're feeling frisky or, you know, you're sitting here going, you know, Aaron doesn't know what he's talking about, which I know many of you do think on a daily basis when you make us your first listen, uh, you know, you can head on over to betonline.net, get the latest odds and trends for every professional sports league and amateur league out there from the NFL to college bowl season to basketball, World Cup, esports. They got you covered at betonline.net. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So, guys, I do want to talk about the potential changes to the offense we may see with Desmond Ritter this week. But uh, first, let's talk about some of the players that are uh, coming back healthy. Uh, it's it indicate Arthur Smith indicated Elijah Wilkinson is expected back this week. Uh, he started practicing a week ago or two weeks ago, I think, uh, and should presumably now, with the aid of the bye week, be eligible to come. Uh, back to the 53-man roster, and so, you know, that may uh, lend itself to, or I guess Damian Williams was on IR, so I guess there isn't a roster spot open. But anyway, uh, you know, in addition to Elijah Wilkinson, there, there may be more roster moves later this week. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about them if they are made. Uh, Matt Hennessy uh, is potentially coming back from IR, so he may get um, designated for return. I don't know if he'll be activated to the 53-man roster, but that will shore up the guard position. Chuma Adoga's status is a little bit up in the air, so that will be something that Arthur Smith indicated they'll monitor as the rest of the week goes. But if if Wilkinson and Hennessy are, are back healthy practicing, they should be good to go at that left guard position in addition to Kobe Gossett. Uh, uh, Jalen Dalton and Arnold Ebiketti, who both missed the Steelers game, are also expected back healthy this week. So, you know, no team is fully healthy in week 15 of NFL season, but as far as guys healthy enough to practice, as we just discussed, you know, the Falcons seemingly should look pretty good this week, but we'll keep an eye on that as the rest of the week unfolds, you know, and I think that's a very promising sign with the offensive line improvement that we've been discussing that, you know, one of the things that we discussed is you feel better about Ritter getting his start. If he has, you know, the Falcons, full starting five with Elijah Wilkinson uh, back healthy, uh, given the revolving door at that left guard position, which has been, you know, up and down. Um, but, you know, it does feel like Wilkinson will give you a better option there. It's not like Wilkinson, you know, has been playing great football this season. Um, you know, you could argue that he was the weak link of the Falcons original starting five, but I think the gap between him and whoever's fourth, probably Drew Dahlman, 
probably was a lot smaller than the gap was between, say, a Drew Doman and a, and a Kobe Gossett. And then you factor in that Wilkinson played reasonably well, as I recall, in that week one game against the Saints. So that's a good thing for uh, Desmond Ritter heading into this week's game. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the potential scheme changes, right? And as Arthur Smith said, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference, uh, you know, in how this offense w- is going to operate with Desmond Ritter versus with Marcus Mariota. Now we've discussed again uh, that, you know, you could argue that there are already training wheels on this offense, given, you know, how much the Falcons run the football, how much they use play action passing. Um, but it does seem like they're not going to add additional training wheels. If, if you get my drift on this offense with Desmond Ritter, in the lineup. And this was something that was discussed in the lockdown Falcons discord over the weekend, which you guys can find a link to uh, in the description below. But, you know, we were kind of talking about how, you know, what, what do we expect on that opening drive? And so, you know, myself and others were kind of fantasizing and you can, you know, tell me if you think this is a realistic fantasy or, or if you have similar uh, fantasies, you know, it's a safe space to discuss these things here on Locked on Falcons, guys. But uh, it would be nice to sort of see Desmond Ritter, you know, dialing up a deep shot you know, early in this game uh, against the Saints and, you know, potentially his first pass to get some of those Matt Ryan parallels uh, when his first pass was a touchdown on a skinny post to Michael Jenkins. And would it be nice to sort of see Desmond Ritter dialing up a play action deep shot to say, you know, Drake London for a 40 plus yard gain or whatever. And again, that may be a fantasy. And, and instead it's probably more realistic that, you know, Arthur Smith will try to you know, sort of dial up something, you know, much more conservative, like a three yard screen pass to Drake London or, of course, the Falcons unicorn of a tight end and Michael Pruitt as potentially his first play there. But it, w- it would be nice to sort of see the Falcons going, hey, like, you know, one of the big areas uh, that we were struggling with under Marcus Mariota is that deep ball. And, you know, our confidence in Desmond Ritter being the guy, it would nothing would signal that more than if they dialed up one of those deep balls and he was able to sort of hit that. And when you look at you know, Desmond Ritter, he wasn't necessarily an elite deep ball thrower in college, but that feels like something that, you know, if he can be effective in that arena, that's going to be something that potentially could unlock the full potential of this Falcons offense and especially their passing attack, because we know, again, they're going to be still a run heavy football team, but as defenses sort of stack the box, if you're able to threaten them deep and go over the top and and force them to unstack that box, because they're worried about the deep ball, all of a sudden that only enhances your running game. So these two things kind of work hand in hand. And so, you know, again, I don't think Desmond Ritter was a great deep ball vertical thrower watching the film in in Cincinnati and there really wasn't a whole lot to glean uh, from his vertical throwing in the preseason. Um, But, you know, the bar is not too high based off of where we were with Marcus Mariota in that arena, because he was one of the league's weakest deep ball throwers this past season. He completed only 27% of his 20 plus yard throws, according to PFF, which was second worse than to to Kyler Murray this season. And what it kind of exacerbated that inaccuracy that made him arguably the worst deep ball throw is that he was pushing the ball down the field a lot more than Kyler Murray this year. Uh, And in Mariota uh, was sixth in the NFL, according to PFF in terms of the highest percentage of his passes being those vertical throws. So there's a lot of opportunities there that were left on the field with Marcus Mariota at the helm. And we wonder if Desmond Ritter uh, can, you know, live up to those opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities. And again, he doesn't have to be elite at throwing the football. If he's just kind of average, right. That would be a, a, 
a big improvement for this Falcons offense. We discussed this previously on the podcast, but for those of you that didn't listen to that episode a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, I basically broke down that if Mariota was an average a deep ball thrower and completing about 40% of his vertical throws, he would have 19 completions on those 20 plus yard throws instead of the 13 that he has. And you may look at the difference of, okay, what's the six deep balls really, you know, do for you at first glance. But my research indicates that the Falcons on drives that include a 20 plus yard play are averaging about four points per drive. And so if you, again, you sprinkle those six deep balls across, you know, multiple games on different drives, you know, that's, you know, 24 points, again, not a massive improvement, but when you factor in how many of the Falcons games have come down to, you know, single possessions uh, in one score games, the Falcons are four and six this year in one score games. They're actually four and four in games that were decided by four points or less. So one deep ball here or there could do a whole lot. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe the Falcons are six and two uh, in, in, in those one four score four point games or even better in those types of games. And so it does feel like, you know, that is where this team can really get more out of their offense under Desmond Ritter, uh, in addition to maybe just being a little bit more efficient uh, on third downs and in the red zone and, you know, on early downs and, and all those things that come along with throwing the football. So, you know, I don't expect Desmond Ritter to be pushing the ball down the field nearly as much as Mariota was, um, but I don't necessarily know if that, you know, following on the point made by Arthur Smith, that that's going to be by design. Like he's going to be like, okay, we're not throwing the ball down the field. It just felt like, you know, particularly early in the season, Mariota was just kind of unleashing those dragons, so to speak, uh, you know, early and often. Uh, And so just, you know, natural inclination means that he doesn't have to push the ball down the field nearly to the degree that Mariota was trying. It's not to say um, that, you know, those deep shots from Mariota were unnecessary, but it did seem at times, um, certainly earlier in the season, maybe over the last month or so, that he was probably a tad aggressive when it came to taking those shots down the field. But, you know, certainly I would love to see Desmond Ritter, you know, tasteful, shots down the field, just be tasteful about it, uh, you know, and, and hitting some of those. So that would certainly be a, a very big statement, uh, you know, in terms of what Desmond Ritter can do with this offense and certainly against the team's biggest rival, you know, that would be a great statement for, for those of us out there that, you know, are, are hoping uh, for great things with Desmond Ritter at the helm. So that's where we'll leave that conversation guys. And up next, we'll talk about which Falcons besides Chris Lindstrom, uh, are going or deserving of making the Pro Bowl. We'll look at my Pro Bowl ballot, uh, and we'll talk a little bit further about how Lindstrom's ability to make the Pro Bowl could potentially impact his contract negotiations after this season, and we'll get into all of that, guys, as we continue today's episode. But first, I want to tell you about Prize Picks, a fun new way to play Daily Fantasy. All you got to do is pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. Uh, it takes less than 60 seconds to enter. And this week, looking at Desmond Ritter's Prize Picks projection, they're asking you, do you think you'll get more or less than 172 and a half yards passing, which is slightly more than what Mariota's average per game this year was about 170.7 yards per game. So if you feel like 
Ritter's uh, debut will be a better than average game from him compared to Marcus Mariota. You might want to take more or you might want to take less if you feel differently. You also may look at Cordero Patterson's projection of 44 and a half yards rushing as a, a potential opportunity for you, given that he had 120 yards rushing in that week one game against the Saints. It was a dominant performer and, and certainly the MVP of that game for the Falcons. And the great thing about prize picks is whether, you know, everybody listens to this podcast feels that more or less on those projections, you're, it's not you versus the other people. It's just you versus the projections. And they offer projections for any sport you watch, NFL, NBA, World Cup, PGA, NHL, college football, so much more. Prize picks is safe. It's fast. It's easy. It's currently in operation in 30 states in the U.S. and Canada. All you got to do is download the prize pick app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up with the promo code locked on and you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit a hundred bucks, the price picks will give you $100. Uh, don't forget to use that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So guys, um, I believe this upcoming Thursday, maybe Friday, if I'm not mistaken, is the deadline for fan voting um, for the pro bowl this year. And in past years, you know, I've done one of these episodes in, in, usually in the first or second week of December when that deadline is approaching. Uh, and so to break down my entire Pro Bowl b- ballot, I'm not going to do that. So I guess I was lying to you earlier and, and talking about who's going to be on my ballot. Um, but we'll just focus on the Falcons players that I think are deserving of potentially being on my ballot. I did not put in a ballot. Uh, maybe I will later this week. Um, but you know, usually I don't put in a ballot, but the last couple of years I have only for the content here on your first listen each and every day here on Lockdown Falcons. But, uh, um, you know, Chris Lindstrom is one of the, the, basically the only Falcon player that I would probably have on my ballot that I think is definitely deserving of going to the Pro Bowl. Now, Cordero Patterson would also be in my ballot, particularly as a return specialist, but he's not eligible for return specialists on the Pro Bowl ballot. Uh, and, I would probably argue that even despite that, if he had stayed healthy for the entire year, I'd probably also uh, just vote for him as a running back just because, you know, just uh, to make up for that. But coupled with the fact that, like, I think he's like number one in the league in success rate this year uh, among running backs also is, you know, again, maybe he might not have the most yards, but that would be justification enough in addition to his kickoff return skills. So he would be a guy that I would say would be, technically deserving of that return specialist role and potentially running back role if he's stayed fully healthy. But unfortunately he hadn't, um, you know, Avery Williams is a player that is eligible for the Falcons return specialist spot, but I probably wouldn't put Williams on my ballot. I'd probably give that NFC spot to, you know, if I'm not giving it to Patterson, I'd probably go with Nwangu, uh, the, the Vikings uh, kickoff returner who took one back to the house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I certainly would not argue with anybody who did put Avery Williams on their Pro Bowl ballot. I think he's, you know, probably he'd probably be the, the bronze medalist, I guess, in my pro. He'd be the honorable mention in that regard, simply because of the fact that he's leading the NFL uh, in punt return average. So I think that is certainly deserving if other people uh, would put other honorable mentions that I would go with. Grady Jarrett, you know, I feel like Grady Jarrett got off to a great start. I remember Jarvis saying this early in the season. Uh, talking about Grady Jarrett is going to be our all-pro player. But he's kind of slowed down since then, and unfortunately he wasn't able to keep that momentum. But I would give him an honorable mention uh, here, uh, given how well he has played at various points this season. Uh, but basically, you know, really ever since that, you know, horrible call against the Bucks, we just really haven't seen 
you know, consistent high level play from Grady Jarrett uh, this season, or at least as we saw earlier in the season, young way would be another player that I think would be a, a solid honorable mention. Doesn't feel like he's having, you know, that sort of pro bowl caliber year that we've seen the last couple of seasons. Uh, but he's just only a notch below that, uh, particularly with, I think he's, leading the league or top two, I think maybe the Dallas kicker uh, is, is actually leading the league in terms of made field goals beyond 50 yards this season. So that's a, a strong indicator. Clearly the theme is, you know, special teams are, is really where the Falcons have more players that have shined this year compared to the rest of the league. Unfortunately, Liam McCullough, the Highlander would not be in my pro bowl ballot like Josh Harris was a year ago. And mostly that's due to not because of a snapping issue, but part of the reason why Harris you know, was like PFF's highest graded long snapper last year was because of how valuable he was in coverage. And McCullough just doesn't have that same value when it comes down to, you know, chasing down punt returners down the field. He just doesn't have quite the speed that Josh Harris has, but he has absolutely uh, filled, you know, that hole uh, as far as snapping goes. So certainly another sort of honorable mention, but circling back to uh, Chris Lindstrom and talk a little bit more about the type of season he's had. And obviously the reason why he's deserving of being a pro bowl player is he's pro football focuses, number one graded guard. He's the number two graded offensive lineman overall, only behind Trent Williams. He's the highest graded uh, run blocker among guards and number two, again, behind Trent Williams in offensive lineman overall. He's number 15 among guards in pass protection, according to PFF. And, you know, those PFF grades, you guys know, they're, they're always, uh, you know, controversial, right? And, you know, watching the film, I haven't really looked too much at Chris Lindstrom and thought like, oh, he's playing so much better this year than he was a year ago that deserves him to get those grades instead of having like whatever it was last year, like 85 last year. Now he's like a 90 something. You know, I don't know what exactly that difference is. I think one thing that has stood out to me this year compared to last year is it, it does feel like his second level blocking has been significantly better this season, uh, getting out there and climbing that second level and taking out linebackers and whatnot. Um, has been much better this season than it had been in previous years. But other than that, and again, I don't know how much that influences a PFF grade, but other than that, it, it does seem like uh, it's mostly the same from last year. Maybe he's a little bit more consistent in pass protection. He had a little bit of up and downs early last season and or early this season in, in late last year. And so maybe you, you flip those things. Uh, and so maybe he's a little bit more consistent this year. Um, but one of the things I'll probably wind up doing after the season is actually going back and, and grading the run blocking um, as, you know, as part of my process to get ready for the offensive line positional breakdown. Um, and so I'll double check to see if, you know, he's deserving of these elite run blocking grades, but then you, you sort of look at the PFF stuff and you're like, what, you know, what is a 92 grade mean versus an 85 grade versus a 78 grade or anything like that. And we know that their grading system can be a little wonky because last year they had Matt Hennessy as the number two highest graded uh, run blocking center last year. And it was like, I thought Hennessy's blocking run blocking was good last year, but you know, it was like 89 and you know, that's basically elite. And I'm like, hey, he wasn't an elite run blocker in that regard. So, you know, all that to sit here and say, like, when you when I see things like, oh, Chris Lindstrom is the best guard in the, in the NFL, it's like, well, maybe, I don't know, like, you know, based off of PFF stuff, sure. You know, I don't know if I would agree with that opinion, but you guys know how I like to form my own opinions. But regardless of whether he's number one or whatever, he's still definitely deserving of being in the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, he was on my Pro Bowl ballot last year. So if he's been as good, if not better, 
this year, then he's absolutely deserving of being uh, in the Pro Bowl. And one of the things we talked about on yesterday's uh, podcast, talking about the offseason strategy plans and holes and, and whatnot, we talked a little bit about Lindstrom's contract uh, extension that is likely to come at some point this upcoming offseason. And I do think a Pro Bowl trip for him could go a long way to enhancing his negotiation stance, the leverage that he has in negotiation. And I think It'll be interesting to see if he does wind up making the Pro Bowl because some of the early uh, voting uh, announcements from, you know, when the voting started, I guess a month or so ago, it didn't seem like he was on track to make the Pro Bowl this year. And so I'll be curious to see if he actually does wind up making the Pro Bowl. If he doesn't, I would still be pretty confident that once we get to January in the, you know, Associated Press, they'll probably give him an all pro uh, this year, which is not unheard of for a player to not make the Pro Bowl and get an All-Pro. I think A.J. Terrell uh, was like second-team All-Pro last year uh, after not making the Pro Bowl, um, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. But, you know, I think the Pro Bowl will help his negotiation stance because you look at some of the recent contracts signed by guards over the last year or two. You know, we just had Quentin Nelson uh, set the new mark for the highest paid guard in the league, uh, signing his contract extension before week one of this year with a 20 million a year extension and got 60 million guaranteed as part of that. The next highest paid guard in the NFL also signed this past offseason. That was Brandon Scherf, whose contract with the Jaguars is averaging 16 and a half million dollars a year with about $30 million guaranteed. Um, and it's notable because Nelson made the pro bowl all four years before he signed that extension this past year. Sheriff was a five-time pro bowler before getting that contract from the Jaguars this year. And so you kind of look at it. If, if, if Lindstrom has zero pro bowls, is he, you know, will the Falcons be like, you know, well, we're not going to pay you $20 million or whatever, something like that. Again, I don't know, but, you look at sort of the number three highest paid guard as Joel Petonio, who did have a pro bowl under his belt before signing a $16 million contract extension. Uh, from what I gather, looking at over the cap.com, Joe Tooney is the highest paid guard uh, in the NFL that does not have a pro bowl bid or an all pro bid uh, at 16 million a year that he signed with the chiefs two years ago. Uh, and then I'm looking at the rest of the offensive linemen uh, Raiders left tackle. Colton Miller is the highest paid of all the offensive linemen that has zero Pro Bowls and zero All Pros, and his contract that he signed with the Raiders, I think this offseason was 18 million a year with 42 and a half million dollars guaranteed. So, you know, it does feel like if if Lindstrom um, does not make the Pro Bowl this year, or you know, potentially in a world where he doesn't make the All Pro as well, like can he go and say, "Give me more money than Quentin Nelson, who has you know four Pro Bowls under his name versus zero? I don't know. Um, but he could certainly say, look, you know, Colton Miller just got $18 million a year. And so that's not 20 million a year like Nelson, but give me 18 and, you know, 45 million guaranteed or something like that. And that I think would be something that he, he and his agent could, uh, you know, settle for that would make him the second highest paid, uh, guard in the NFL. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how those negotiations go. This is potentially the first big extension, at least internal extension that we'll see from this regime. Obviously, uh, they gave extensions to Jake Matthews and Grady Jarrett, but those were really kind of like one, two year extensions, not this long term thing that we're thinking with Lindstrom, where it's going to be five or six years. It's going to have three or four years of guaranteed money across it. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the timing of this goes, because 
under the Dimitrov era, like typically these types of extensions would late until later, later in the off season, like, you know, it would be July or August or, you know, ahead of week one that we would see uh, this type of big money deal get signed. But you wonder under this new regime, under Terry Fontenot, you know, does this deal get done sooner? You know, do they get this deal done in March when they have all the cap space and all the room to spend big money on a Lindstrom deal? Or do they wait until after the draft because, you know, they're too busy, you know, shoring up other rosters and they put that on the back burner uh, with Lindstrom in that negotiation? Who knows at this point in time? So it'll be interesting just to learn sort of the, the different quirks with this regime and how they, you know, potentially negotiate these internal deals, extending contracts for the players. Cause we got a couple of extensions. You got Lindstrom this year. You got potentially AJ Terrell the year after that. You got Kyle Pitts the year after that. So it's one of those things where we may see, uh, you know, this will be the sort of the precedent that is set uh, potentially for you know things moving ahead so it'll that'll be fascinating from that point obviously chris lindstrom is deserving of all the money uh you know this year and you know certainly given the falcons you know offensive line issues he he will have some leverage in this negotiation where it's like you know like what are you gonna do let me walk in free agency and of course like the answer to that that's a non-starter uh given all the turmoil we've had um you know at that you know, unit these last couple of years. So he, he certainly will have a strong negotiation stance and we'll see, you know, how long, how, how much uh, his agent and, and whatnot, uh, you know, push the boundaries with that negotiation. But ultimately, you know, I think the Falcons will basically, you know, if he wants 20 million a year, like, are they going to say no? Like, no. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that all goes guys, but that will do it for us here on today's locked on Falcons podcast. Really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you for making us your first listen, please. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Falcons on YouTube. We got to get those that subscription numbers up, guys. Uh, and, of course, you know, in addition to making Locked on Falcons your first listen, check out Locked on Sports Atlanta as your second listen, as well as Locked on Sports Today, uh, where you can get the lowdown on not only just the NFL, but all the big stories from across sports in just under 25 minutes each and every day on Locked on Sports Today. Subscribe to it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And, guys, really, again, appreciate it. Tomorrow, we're supposed to have Charles McDonald. He's ducked us twice now over the last two weeks. Hopefully, with third time's a charm, and we'll get him, and we'll get his input on the Falcon season as well as his expectations for Desmond Ritter on tomorrow's episode. And then, of course, we'll have crossover Thursday with Locked On Saints host Ross Jackson. And then we'll be joined by Jarvis Davis on Friday's episode here of the ATL Day Ones podcast to get his thoughts on sort of the key to victory. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about Desmond Ritter, I'm sure, in that episode coming up on Friday. So, guys, again, really appreciate you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen. One of the illustrious podcasts here on the Lockdown Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day.